We've got Mike Parsons on with us as our guest today, and uh, obviously we're a little bit early, but Mike's uh, over in the UK, so we adjusted the time for him. And uh, Berlin, thank you for being on here as well. Uh, just thank you to all of our viewers. We just bless you all. Um, we were just discussing uh, about one of the things of the age to come that would be a key thing and where we are open to conversation. And uh, that, I think, is a, a maturing process that all of us have to go through. And it's also, uh, how does Nancy say it? She says, the last right to be given up is the right to be right, something like that. And it really is a powerful concept that when we are able to lay things down, and I think it comes from having a confidence in who you are, in other words, spending enough time in heavens with your creator that you know who you are, that you're able to listen to other people who disagree with you and be totally, totally okay with it, totally fine with it. So, um, Mike, what do you think might be some other things we would look at as we're shifting, you know, the church is shifting what are some of the things that you think we might be adapting or adopting as we move in to this next stage? Uh, I would say there's sort of three things that I see that go together. Um, there will be identity, which it comes from face-to-face -face relationship and the mirror of God's face reflecting back who we are. So we need that face-to-face -face intimacy that brings a revelation of who we are. And that's the sun in sonship. Um, and that's becoming mature sons rather than just baby sons. Yes. Um, so I think there's yeah. a shift in yeah. maturity coming. Um, I would say the, the next thing, once you know your identity, then you find your position where you're seated in the heavenly places and also where you're on earth in a foundation on the earth. Um, and I would say that when you begin to identify there and here, everything shifts from the old church age model of coverings and apostolic networks and all these groups covering things rather than foundationally laying a foundation that other people can be built upon and lifted up so they can engage God for themselves. So I would say definitely once you know your identity, you realize you have direct access to God without any mediator. Yeah. So I would say even though the new covenant age began um, people have tried to go back to the old covenant all the time, which is generally mediatorial. So mm -hmm. Moses went representing the children of Israel because they didn't want an intimacy with God, afraid of him. And I think a shift, when you know who you are and who God is, that fear goes. The awe, respect, honor remains, but fear goes. And you're not afraid of direct access face-to-face -face with him. And you don't have to go through a mediator. So uh, no mediation systems where you have to go through someone else to either hear God or engage him. I think that's one of the keys. Um, and once you, once you realize there's no covering, then leadership becomes servant hearted and foundational. So you have in the realms of heaven, you have a Royal priesthood sort of, and this is sort of a description of the order of Melchizedek where you are Kings and priests and the priest has access into the intimacy with God deep intimacy mm -hmm. and then the king governs that from heaven so you have an agreement in heaven and then heaven and earth agree so on the earth you have the legislation and the, the sort of oracles or the heart of god at work as a foundation uh, ephesians says the foundation mm -hmm. is apostles and prophets now we weren't talking about five-fold ministry apostles and prophets um, that's an old model not that five-fold ministry is ended, but the model of their government is ended. 
because they're not over anybody. So the foundation becomes those who lift everyone up to see God for themselves. So if you sort of, an old model would be that, and therefore everyone's under that, and therefore yeah. no one can go yeah. other than through who's on top or not at all to that. And then yeah. there's no end to the increase of that. Um, mm-hmm. so that's a key. Um, and I think all of the old sort of covenant things are beginning to be uh, identified. The ways of thinking, law-based thinking rather than grace-based thinking, a lot of that's being challenged. And I think once people are in a position where they're a gateway of heaven into the earth, so we're in heaven, but we're on earth living in both realms at the same time, that I think is a, yeah. is a mark of maturity, where you're not going into heaven and stepping out of heaven, going into heaven, stepping out of heaven, you're remaining in heaven and dwelling on earth, as Jesus was. Yeah. Jesus was able to do all the things he did as he described it to Nicodemus, he'd come out of heaven, but he was still in heaven dwelling while talking to Nicodemus. Yeah. And I think that's one of the keys in this whole area is that we'll begin to learn, live in dual or multiple realms. And therefore, we're a gateway continually of that realm into the earth. And come on. quantum physically, that means quantum entanglement. So right. you're at two places at once or more, more than two places at once, but instantly totally connected. And you That's can good. shift from one place to the other just by shifting consciousness. Perception. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I love that. We were just talking about that last night, in fact, because, um, you know, when we start people off, I, I know for us anyway, when we're starting people off, we will have them do that step in and step out just so they can experience the shift and understand that there is something different about being in the heavens than there is about being here. And that, uh, as we grow and mature, though, you get to that place where you understand you're in heaven all the time and you're probably in multiple other places all the time. It's just a matter of where do you want to put your focus? And yeah. and so when I journal, you know, there's several different places that I'm I'm at, but I spend more time in other places on my focus and uh, pick up the story, so to speak, when I go back there to engage with it again. Sometimes I th- see that things have gone on while I've been gone, which is interesting to to see that as well but it's just experiencing and understanding that we are multi-dimensional beings and that we need to learn to operate in all those dimensions and that's a that's a new thing for anybody who's still doing church in the box (laughs) (laughs) yeah speaking of that um i get this question a lot is um what is the difference between how we're doing the the living from the heavenlies and and um you know having spirit journeys and those kinds of things what's the difference between that and just praying you know they say why can't you just pray you know yeah well i think you can just pray but often when people just pray they're never sure whether their quest whether their prayers are actually reaching god or not and so for some you know it feels like the heavens are are bronze and not, not a lot's going through. When you're actually talking to God face to face, you have a conversation. Most people's prayer, my prayer life used to be come to God, ask him for things, ask him for other people for things and have a shopping list. And yeah, sometimes it, it may have been a little bit more intimate, but very rarely um, and very rarely did I expect God to speak to me. It was prayer was me speaking to him. Um, and in a sense, you know, come boldly to the throne of grace um, is a euphemism for prayer for most people. I'm going to come boldly by praying and my prayers are going to ascend to the throne of grace and God will help me. Where mm-hmm. actually 
to come boldly or confidently means to go there. And the throne of grace is in the realms of heaven. So to go there means you go and engage with the Father and talk with him in a, in a relational way rather than a disconnected way. You know, it's, it's like almost emailing God and hoping he gets the email. Right. Um, right. may, he may well send one back in the future, perhaps with an answer to my prayer, but that's not, that's not relational and it's not intimate. And God wants us to relate to him in a conversational way in which I talk to him. He talks to me. I listen most of the time because he has a lot more interesting things to say than I do. So I journal my conversations. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the year, yeah. I may have a hundred thousand words in my journal just on conversations that I've had in an intimate way. Now those conversations can take place in different places. Mm -hmm. You know, we can go into the realms of heaven and engage God on the throne of grace and we can talk and share. He, he's also living in us. So he's dwelling in us. John 14 says, you know, the father and son come in us and talks about the spirit also dwelling in us. So there's a sense where we can engage them in reality on the inside of us. It's not, again, not just a theoretical he's in us. There is a dimensional reality within us, in our yes. spirit and within our heart, within the garden of our heart, where, again, we can have intimacy. I, I believe Psalm 23 was talking about that, you know, lying down in green pasture beside quiet waters, which I believe is a sign of being intimate within and therefore consciously being conscious of his presence. So, you know, Brother Lawrence wrote a book, you know, Practicing the Presence of God. Yes. And, and it was sort of, yeah, he's around us, but he's also in us. And I think having that conversational relationship is very different from praying and hoping. It's communicating and being open for him to talk at any point and listening and flowing with that. So being directed, you know, Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing. Now, seeing this doesn't necessarily mean seeing it visually, right, but right. having a perception, here's the Father's heart. Therefore, he only outworked the Father's heart as a son, but he knew the Father's heart because he was heart to heart. So this cardiogenosis, knowledge of the heart came because you're intimate. You know, if, if I'm here and he's there, how do I know his heart? If I'm close to him and he's in me, I can know his heart continually and therefore be creative as a son to outwork his heart. Because I don't believe Jesus knew his heart and had a list of instructions every day. Right. His heart relationally and therefore God trusted Jesus as his son to outwork his heart creatively. Hence, Jesus did miracles all sorts of different ways. <laughs> yeah. He didn't just yeah. heal blind people one way. He made mud. He also spoke. He laid hands. People could touch him and be healed. You know, he did miracles, healing miracles in many different ways, I think, to demonstrate that it's not a fixed one way. Not a and therefore, if you get it wrong, you're in trouble. But actually, everything at working the heart of the Father is creative. And therefore, we can do it in multiple different ways. And we can all do it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. That means we can be free to be who we are as sons he created us to be right you know, I, yeah i like that idea much better than every time i want to do something i have to run to the father and see what he's doing you know that's yeah. not a maturing son right <laughs> yeah, we're just, hard, hard. yeah it is interesting uh, because in 2018 we had a service where we you know it was a um uh, on New Year's Eve, we had a service, and, and the th some of the things that the Father downloaded in 2018 was, number one, that we would learn to live up there 
and come down here when we needed to. Well, I didn't know what that meant when I said it, but by the end of that year, we were engaged with that already. And that, that also Brother Lawrence was very heavy on my mind that year, but it was in the sense of we need to not just practice understanding the presence of him around us, but we need to start practicing our presence in him. Yeah. And that that was that was a new thing to step it up to to start practicing our presence in him, because understanding where we are in him is um, totally different to understand that you're in him. I'm in him. We're all in him. We're all in the father. Well, wait a minute. Where are we? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it starts to blow the mind. They see being in him theoretically as a positional thing rather than being a relational thing. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, where is he? Well, he's in the realms of heaven. He's in us. We can engage him in all those things relationally, not just theoretically. And then, you know, for most people, the only way to go to heaven is if you die. And, you know, that that actually is a, is a religious concept rather than a, a biblical one, because the Bible says that heaven's open. Um, and very clearly says that we have an invitation to come into the Holy of Holies in the realms of heaven now. And Jesus has gone as a forerunner and he's opened and torn the veil between heaven and earth so we can access. You know, I don't tend to use the word ascending or ascensions um, just because I, I find that word is also associated with ascending in maturity. So I, I think of ascending in levels of maturity I think of engaging God in those realms rather yeah. than sort of sending, because in one sense, it's not up. Right. It, it's you, not. You think right. about it. Yeah. I know it helps us to think about it as come up yeah. here, but it's really come into this realm. And that realm is around us, you know, as a, as a, as a dimension, which we can engage in without it. It's not a long way away. Right. You know, all, all of the dimensions around us, quantum physically, sort of in string theory, they reckon there's 11, at least 11 dimensions mm. are all within this space. Yeah. They're just something we, can, we we don't learn to engage. Well, I think if we learn to engage it because it is open, then we can step into that and engage and find all of the things that are in that realm become available to us. And therefore, it's not just about the relationship, which is great. And all of the wonderful relational things where you can engage the throne of grace and the tree of life and the river of life and sort of beautiful descriptions of flow and intimacy with God, but also the governmental side of it as sons where we seated in heavenly places, which is a position of authority. So yeah. that's a throne, if you like. Mm -hmm. So we have a throne or thrones there, which we can be seated on and therefore administrate from there, bring heaven to earth. I think everyone would know the verse you know in in matthew and the lord's prayer you know your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is yeah, in heaven yeah but most people think god does the heavenly bit and we get to do some of the earthly bit and i think once you realize you're there it must be established in heaven first and for it to come into the earth yeah and yeah. if we're a gate if we're a house of god and god dwells in us we're also a gateway of heaven mm -hmm. so rivers of living water are supposed to flow for our innermost being you know, John 7, and that flows out of heaven. Yeah. 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 But I most people that, only lived with a little bit of it rather than a flow of it, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that some people use the word ascension only in meaning let's raise our consciousness higher to the frequency of heaven. Because when we're always earthbound in our thoughts, it's a lower, yeah. you know, consciousness. 
So uh, sometimes, sometimes that, that word ascending just means let's look at this from a different perspective as we're seated in heavenly places. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and in a sense, I mean, uh, people just have different ways of saying the same thing. Right. And sure. I yeah. Is yeah. people have different expressions for the same thing. For me, you know, I talk about expanded consciousness or my consciousness expanding to begin to engage in a different level or a different realm or a different level of consciousness so I can perceive from a heavenly perspective or an eternal perspective because you, we're not stuck with the realms of uh, heaven. We also can access the realm of God where there is no time and space in his heart, where he birthed us, if you like, where we were a desire in his heart once and a yeah. thought in his mind and we get we got came out of that realm. We can go back there. Yeah. Uh, that that that's a totally different realm because you know a heavenly perspective great you can see things from that perspective and things look differently when you see that but an, an eternal perspective that means no time space that means non-linearity which is a, a, a whole different ball game right right you know consciousness because suddenly you're not thinking about linear the past present future but all now it's a different realm altogether which is fun it, it, it's fun. And then at the same time, you know, people get uh, frustrated or they you know, talk about this material world that we live in as if it's a curse when in reality, I believe it was a blessing that the father actually laid everything out so that we could experience things and not have to experience it all at once, not have, you know, everything happen all at once is, is a concept we really don't can't even wrap our minds around. So this is a blessing for us to be here, to, to experience it this way. But, you know, one of the things I say that changed for me uh, dramatically when we started moving into this, you know, between the idea of just praying versus going into the heavens and engaging God was the shift of actually fully, to the best of my ability, accepting that the spiritual realm is more real than this realm. And that that I want to spend more time focused there than I do here. And that was a major, major shift for me to where it took my prayers of, uh, like you said, kind of throwing them up, hoping God catches them, hoping he hears it versus actually going and engaging in relationship with him. Totally shifted things. But it's believing and understanding that that is just as real, if not more real than if I'm sitting down and talking to my wife. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Hebrews talks about everything that we see has come out of that which is unseen mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean it doesn't exist it just means you can't see it with your natural eyes and in reality you know everything is spiritual yeah you know, it's just this is physical that we've been used to seeing a physical manifestation of energy into matter but actually it's still pretty much vibrational energy it's just vibrating at a frequency that we can engage in yeah the spiritual realm is also uh, engageable in and I think you know once you begin to realize that the way God has created us in sonship is not just to be co-heirs but to be co-creators then that spiritual realm quantum realm non-local realm where essentially all of the energy that keeps this realm comes from uh, and is we're interacting with that realm all the time but we don't know it from a quantum physics perspective you know some of us is in that realm now yeah you know, it just it, it's in that realm for such a short period of time i think planck's constant which i think is one twenty thousandth of a billionth of a second so you don't know some of you is there but you're picking up energy from that realm because that realm keeps this realm together or you know it talks about this realm is held together by the voice of his power 
So the, the vibrational frequency of his, the energy of his voice, which he created things with, holds everything together. And we can actually also speak into that when we speak with the voice of God. When we speak yeah. the, the voice of God from the heart of God, that realm responds to us. Yeah. And the smallest yeah. particles of that realm, springs of energy, uh, are the building blocks of all matter. In fact, everything. And if we speak with authority, with God's voice, then creatively that, that energy can become matter. That's how Jesus did some of the things he did. You know, he was able to turn water into wine. He was able to multiply bread and food. He was able to call a, a coin into appear into a fish's mouth. Mm-hmm. All of that was done essentially not by magic. He, you know, he wasn't waving Harry Potter's magic wand. He was able to use how he had created the universe to begin to also bring change and transformation, which actually we can do as well if we if we would but get his heart and carry his voice i think that is the real key and creation responds to us when we vibrate with the frequency of god's voice so creation is waiting longing to be set free Um, now are you are are you one that would uh go along because i've heard other people teach this go along with the idea that um you know Pretty much every thought we're thinking, especially the words that we speak, we are creating. At one level or another, we are creating. Do you believe that is happening on a consistent, constant basis for all of us? I think God's grace um, stops everything we think and say coming about. Otherwise, I think there would be a lot of big problems. But he does want to mature us into the things that we think operate according to the mind of Christ, which is where says we have. Mm-hmm. So we have access to think like a son. Really, that's what it, we don't have Jesus's brain. You know, we actually right. think like right. a son. So if we think like a son, then creation will respond to us. Mm-hmm. So essentially, again, quantum physics says that creation responds to our observation. Right. So our observation actually affects how things are yeah and they've done scientific experiments on that and they've even it even Mm -hmm. seems to know what we're going to think before we even think it which is Mm -hmm. pretty bizarre but it is it's a bizarre field and essentially you know they did experiments where some spinning uh, particles um, were spinning anti-clockwise and then they asked someone to think about which way it was going to spin and if someone said clockwise then they would look at it and it would be spinning clockwise. And if mm. someone said anti-clockwise, the same particles would be spinning according to someone's thoughts and observation. And there's lots of fascinating experiments which mm-hmm. they prove to show that's true. Yeah. Now, if we are then to mature, then I do believe sonship is, is going to bring creation into freedom yeah. and it's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Therefore, we need to be revealed in maturity and I think in immaturity, the things we say don't have as much effect yeah. as when we're mature, because creation won't respond because it doesn't reflect the voice of God mm-hmm. and the heart yeah. of God. But when we're mature and we reflect the heart of God and then the voice of God, that's I think really that good. Comes- yeah. Yeah. Like- um, one of the one of the workshops that I teach in spirit centered business is called the frequency of desire. And I always I always like the pun of that because 
the how often we are emitting the correct frequency of desire also matters you know so when you're talking about do you create with every word well if you say it once there's not a lot of energy to that right but if you if it's something that it's a belief system that you have and you say it over and over and over that's a now you're starting to build more um a thicker foundation is, yeah you, i think the key is not to be double-minded hmm. yeah yeah a lot of people are double-minded and they're saying something hoping to believe it themselves rather than saying something because they believe it and Got it. between yeah. uh, that i mean we we create reality all the time everything mm -hmm. you do effectively creating reality and is it then becomes history mm -hmm. we just use most of the reality we create is because of what we already know therefore we keep getting what we already got Mm -hmm. exactly and you your mm -hmm. mind renewed, and then you begin to think differently with the different possibilities then you can start choosing some realities which you don't know which are aligned to the heart of god and then you'll start to see those things begin to manifest part of the yeah. problem is you know if someone goes and uh, flicks a light switch they know the light's going to come on you know, they, they got they have total belief and faith in that so when they switch it on it's going to come on if you if you and most people behave that way because that's all the things that they have memory of history of but if you're going to choose some things which you've not done before you have to make sure a you're aligned with the heart of god and the the thoughts of god but also our thoughts can't be double-minded mm -hmm. that's where it says take captive every thought yeah yeah at that point where you make a choice if you don't take captive the thought and align it with what you're believing for then you will end up being double-minded and you'll also def you'll default back to what you already got. And, you know, th this is sort of expressed a lot of in, in the Bible in, in terminology, which is not scientific, but, you know, like Mark 11, pray believing that you've received it, then you will. And that that's the same basic concept. You can't be double-minded when you ask or when you call things into being. So for an example, um, I, I was in New Zealand and I was in a meeting talking about angels and the angelic realm and things. And I came out of the meeting and I was probably one of the last ones out and it was heavily raining and the caretaker had gone home from the thing and locked the gate. So he, he locked the gate and all the cars were lined up trying to get out of the car park, all locked in. So I came out and I'm like, oh, what's the problem? So I went up to the front car and there was a couple of ladies in there. One was a Sikh lady and one was a, a New Zealand lady and uh, were not believers at the time. They're both believers now. Um, and they, they looked at me and smiled and just with a twinkle in their eyes said, well, could, do you think you could ask one of those angels to open the gate? Yeah. So, and that was the point where you have to take capture the thought. So I have a choice. I could mm -hmm. say, yeah, I'll, I'll ask an angel. Or I could say, well, perhaps we need to call the caretaker, get him to come unlock the gate. And in that moment, I actually said, and I just heard myself saying it, I said, okay, I'll open the gate for you. And they said, well, we've already tried. It's locked. It's padlocked. I said, it's okay. I'll open the gate. Now, if you let other people's thoughts get in the way mm -hmm. or their unbelief or doubt get in the way, you'll find you become double-minded and it won't work. But I didn't. I took captive the thought and I went to the padlock and I opened it with my hands without a key and opened the gate and let them out. Yeah. Because it responded to my choosing that reality that I would be able to open it. And I let no other reality 
caused me to be in doubt or unbelief. And I've done that multiple times for multiple things. Mm -hmm. because, uh, I, we can choose a reality which is aligned with the heart of God, not a party trick type of thing, right. but just to be like Jesus chose realities aligned to the heart of God that were how he described it. He only wanted to do the will of the father and he only wanted to say the things he heard the father saying. So he chose that every day. Now, how then did he then do some of the things he did by aligning the heart of the father with his creativity and choosing those realities? Yeah. He chose to turn water into wine and therefore the, the molecules of the water and the wine began to change according to his thoughts and therefore became wine out of water. So now, I think part of what we're touching on too is, is there, there are those times where you align with the father because I, I don't know of any perfectly um, mature sons on the planet at this time you know, that would walk as Jesus walked. I, I haven't met any, just put it that way. So in the process of growing to that maturity, we are still able to see some miraculous things happen when we're aligned with the heart of the Father. But otherwise, you know, I see a lot of people trying to, you know, jump to these very high levels of operating in the Galactic Council and all this kind of stuff, you know, whatever. But, um, but their character isn't supportive of even you know, being able or willing to work out some of the things in their own heart and their own life to become a mature son. Yeah. And so I, I think it's one of the things that you know, I know for us that we're trying to back people up a little bit. It's like, don't be going out there and just trying to fill your head full of all knowledge and all this stuff. Let's look at your character because that's the ultimate thing. We want to become mature sons. Absolutely. I, I would totally agree with that. It took me a long time to get to this point. It's been a long journey of learning, practicing, becoming more intimate with God, with the Father, then having a revelation of sonship, then having how my soul was reacting to that and my soul de dealt with, transformed, changed, renewed, my thinking renewed, so that actually Jesus talked about fruit being more important than signs. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people will do signs. And they can do signs. It's not guaranteed just because there's a sign. A, but everything they say is correct. Come on. <laughs> the character is actually in alignment with the signs they can do. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately God wants to bring us into a place of maturity where we are, in a sense, holy. You know, living in a righteous way out of who we are. And therefore, the fruit of that is, should be love. If love is not manifested, we can do as many things as we like, and there'll just be a clashing gong, Come on. a clashing or banging gong. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately, what people look at and what people need to look at is actually the fruit of love, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's like those are the fruit. That's the fruit of God's character and nature. And if we're going to be mature sons, we need to live out of that. And that comes yeah. through life. You can't be given character. You can't be given fruit. It has to grow and be produced by actually dealing with life in love. Yeah. And if we learn to deal with life in love and use love as our plumb line for everything we do and say and think and everything, then we'll find that our character and all that God's called us to do in sonship comes together. And, you know, if someone sees a miracle and then sees a bad attitude and all the things that go with an immature, 
then they question the miracle. You know, in reality, I've seen it. I've seen it. people see something which was totally miraculous and then totally question what they saw. Yeah. Because it didn't line up. And I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to look at it from the point of love wins. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we operate in, in love, then love can overcome all the other things that are in the way. You can do miracles, but that so can so can a lot of other people do miracles. Yeah, yeah. So it, like that. it's not it's not the reality that Jesus said to look at. You know, we need to look at the fruit and love and love. You know, love. God is love. You know, Amen. The express yeah. image of God, and He said, "If you see Me, you've seen the Father." So that was His whole life was an expression of love. Um, and I do believe he wants us to, to treat each other in a loving way, which is sort of, I think, the more mature issue of therefore we can discuss and talk without actually having to necessarily come to 100% agreement on everything. Yeah, I don't have to win. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Got a couple questions, uh, you know, uh, from off- online. They're a little off topic, but um, here's one. It's... Um, I keep engaging with the same place with Jesus every time I enter heaven, past two weeks now. Is this soul or spirit? I get the sense I'm afraid to explore other areas. Okay, it's an interesting question. When you go into the realms of heaven and you are consciously aware of what you're doing, then it's soul and spirit. So your soul and spirit is engaging, otherwise you wouldn't be aware of it. You know, it's your good. spirit can mm-hmm. be engaging and not be aware of it. Most of the time, my spirit is engaging and I'm not necessarily aware of it unless right. I need to. So when you're engaging there, if if there is fear, and sometimes that's lack of trust, sometimes it's like the, our soul ha- is damaged, hurt, broken, fragmented. And sometimes, you know, our experiences of God <clears throat> are difficult. And therefore, if you're in the same place, you know, if you if you know how to talk to God and hear his voice and converse, then you can ask him. Most people yeah. are having experiences of heaven without really have never really developed hearing his voice or talking to him. So when they go, they don't understand and they're seeing something that they don't have a perception of what it means. But because they can't go to God and ask him, then they're sort of stuck with, oh, I'm not sure what's happening. You know, I would always encourage people to develop a conversational relationship first or alongside anything else they're doing so that if there's a doubt or what is this, what's going on? Hey, ask the father. Why am I stuck in this place? You know, and it can be that the soul can project because of fear and we feel like we're stuck. And it could be that, hey, God wants to take us into that place to to give us a place where we can acclimatize before we go into other realms you know because you know i i went into the realms of heaven a lot and there were some there were some places i went to more more often right right it helped me acclimatize and it helped me find this is a safe place and in that safe place then you can go out from that safe place but again i wouldn't try and explore i would just ask jesus to take you you know, when all my encounters in yeah. the realms of heaven initially were, he took me and showed me and led me. Yeah. And then I could, of course, go back and back and back by walking the same pathway. But he took me there. Yeah. And I, I never wanted to go on my own. Um, bef- I didn't want to run before I could walk. And I, I, yeah. I let him lead me and direct me 
and we spent time talking and sh he showed me things, whether it be the Father or the Jesus or the Holy Spirit at times. And I think the key is do it relationally. And mm -hmm. then you don't never have to be afraid if the Father's got your hand or the Jesus has got your hand, you're in a safe place and he yeah. will lead the places that he wants you to see. And you don't have to be concerned with the places that you've not yet seen. Mm -hmm. because some some people but, will never see some places because they're not they don't need to you know some people will never see other places because they don't need to and you know there are places that i know friends of mine have gone to i've never seen yeah but maybe i don't need to and, and that's okay so i think the, re the relationship is the key being in a place of rest and if you're in a place of rest then you're trusting in god yeah. to keep you safe and protect you and to lead you rather than the enemy to deceive you and sometimes we've been we've been so frightened by deception because of you know, the church's view yeah. on new things we will be careful you don't want to be led astray you never know that might not be in the bible all of that type of thing that people are afraid and therefore they may be reticent to be engaging because of that fear and jesus sort of said look if you ask for the father for a piece of bread or some fish you're not going to get a stone or a scorpion or something. He's not going to give you something bad when you're pursuing him with the desire for something good. And I would encourage people to, if they're going to go into that realm, just ask Jesus to, to take them and walk with them. Amen. Because the father walked with Adam. You know, he walked with Adam and therefore Adam was able to walk in his garden and he was walking in Adam's garden. And therefore heaven and earth were in agreement, overlap because they walk together in relationship. And I think that's the key really to all of the beginnings of these things is, is relationship. One of the things that helped, helps me, still helps me, is if all of a sudden I go to um, you know, be in their presence and I see a scene, I typically look around, okay, where is Jesus here? Mm -hmm. You know, where are you? Because I want to know that I'm not just, you know, wandering off, yeah. <laughs> you know, which I tend to do. <laughs> so I want to make sure that he's there with me. I mean, Gil knows, right? <laughs> um, so I tend to look around for him and make sure that he's in the scene or holding my hand or, you know, we're engaging or something like that. I don't even like to go off with anyone else that I've already had encounters with in heaven if I don't know Jesus is with me. And maybe that's just in my walk and in my maturing process, but I'm just letting you know that's where I am. Yeah. Well, I think that's the best place for everyone to start, you know, yes. and then if if they introduce you to someone else, that's okay. But mm -hmm. you know it's flowing out of the relationship of being in safe place. And, mm -hmm. you know, we don't need to be rushing this whole thing because it's right. a journey, yeah. which is not a, not a race. It's, 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 a, it's a journey that we can walk out at our own pace with him and if he wants us to go a little bit faster then he'll walk faster if he wants us to go a bit slower he'll walk slower and we just keep pace don't rush ahead don't drag behind and just walk with him that's good that's that's the key in this really yeah, so here's a good, good next age question from the flying penguins which is martin smith um martin, says, hey martin <laughs> he says uh wrestling through first corinthians 15 is physical death a choice meaning since death has been defeated can we live physically longer forever as we mature um, yes, I believe we can. I mean, I, I think Jesus, in, in, um, when he talked about taking communion or eating his flesh, drinking his blood, which was 
obviously a pretty abhorrent statement to the people right, he was talking right. to. <laughs> you know, all the thousands that were following him left, you know, and, you know, his, he then says to his disciples, you know, well, you, you know, go to? are you going to go as well? And they said, well, where are we going to go? You know, you've got the word to live eternal life. <clears throat> I think in reality, uh, I believe if we do partake of what he has done, which his body, blood are symbolic of the power and victory of the cross, which swallowed up death, and overcame death you know the wages of sin was death and therefore now the wages of sin have been dealt with because sin is no longer counted against us according to 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 5 19 you know God has reconciled all the cosmos to himself not counting any of their sin or trespasses against them so in a sense we we need to be less conscious of the negative and more conscious of the positive and I do believe if we if we embrace the victory of the cross symbolic in communion. So I take communion regularly every day, usually whenever I eat, in fact, you know, I see it as partaking of the body and blood of Jesus, which carries the power of life. And in John six, Jesus said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't need to die. Mm -hmm. You know, and he wasn't talking about spiritual death either, you know, cause he actually related it to those in the old covenant died in the wilderness with Moses you don't need to die. So it was equating it to physical death. Yeah. And I don't, we need to die. Um, and I think, but you can't be double-minded about it. And I think it's a process in which when we're taking on the life of God in the DNA of God, let's say within the body and blood of Jesus, then it's beginning to transform our DNA. So there's no death within us. Yeah. Within the fabric of our being, within our DNA, in with, within all anything where there's any hint of death, then life needs to overcome that death. And yeah. I think actively engaging it, I think is a transformatory process. And I don't believe we need to die. There are a number of people who said that they've met people who are three, four hundred years old. Um, and they often have been often called you know, desert fathers or hermits yeah. they live in caves you know well i don't think god wants us to live in caves right if i'm going to live that long i want to live in a little bit well, nicer yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah in right <laughs> and in a sense you know when we do carry that and when we're not dying and we're not wearing out and the world sees that then they're going to ask why you know yeah. why is it yeah. that you're 150 years old and you don't look a day over 60 or whatever yeah. you know because you know i don't think aging was a, a thing that Jesus did, you know, from baby to 33 or whatever, wherever we, are. we don't know what it would have happened after that. Right. You know, we don't know if he, whether he would have continued aging or whether the life would have continued to be manifested in that way. But I do believe without a doubt, we do not need to physically die. Yeah, I think that part of it is we, we have shifted, we are shifting, you know, we're constantly moving into uh, greater levels of understanding. But as you say, I, I think that's one of those areas where we've got a, a lot of deconstructing to do to get that out of the memory of our DNA and, and out of our psyche that, that we have to die. And that we begin the process of bringing life and rejuvenating ourselves and the DNA. So yeah. um, I think it's thinking. You know, and speech, so many people just mm -hmm. think and they, they live every day becomes another day older. And if that's in their thinking, then actually their body will react to their own thinking. They're creating the reality where they're getting older every day. Where if you don't believe that the moving of the sun around 
earth around the sun and the, all of that stuff, you know, for a year is a, is a physical thing, which has an effect in age, then you're not going to be subject to it. And I think a lot of it is how we, we subject to ourselves to yeah. the fact that we're getting older because there's another day gone by. Yeah. Whereas we don't need to. And I think if we think differently, it will begin to affect us in a more positive way. But I do believe that we need to get hold of health. You know, so many Christians are there. looking for healing yeah. and they're looking for healing because they see themselves as sick. Whereas yeah. healing is not our inheritance. Health is our inheritance. So living in health yep. is a total mindset where we our whole body, soul, spirit needs to embrace the fact of health. Um, and that takes quite a bit of doing because most people have suffered some sort of sickness or are suffering some sort of sickness. Therefore, they're always reminded by the symptoms yeah. rather than the reality of the health is our inheritance. You know, it was 20 odd years ago that, you know, I had a number of physical ailments, which I got healed of, you know, you know, miraculously, you know, instantly sometimes, you know, I had a back condition for about three years. And the friend of mine was laughing in the spirit so much, he fell over and he reached out to stabilize himself and his hand went on my back and I got instantly healed. <laughs> he touched my back as he fell on the floor. And I thought, well, that's pretty amazing. Um, but eventually, you know, I needed something that needed healing and I had everyone pray for me and I didn't get healed. And God said to me, you need to understand health. I'm like, wow. So I went, took me three years to go through the whole Bible and find everything I could about health, healing, everything, and discover, you know, that's our inheritance, you know, in mm -hmm. God, who is our healer, but he wants us to live in the reality of health. Uh, and that's but, restoration back to what Adam had before. And I think God wants to restore us yeah. back to health. Yeah. And at the end of the day, once I overcame that sickness, and I had Meniere's disease, which was, I was told, incurable, um, which was an inner ear condition where I had violent vertigo attacks and I had to take tablets every day wow. to make sure I didn't get an attack. I mean, I had an attack once while I was driving a car. I mean, it was bizarre. I mean, everything started spinning around. I've had you it know? once. That's, that was enough. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I had that and, you know, but when I went on this pursuit for understanding health healing, <clears throat> and eventually, you know, I, God said, you know, you can throw your tablets away. So I threw them away. And I never had another attack, but actually yeah. I've never been sick since. Yeah. Well, I think, but the key there is your willingness to go on that pursuit Absolutely. and your willingness to stick with it and believe that a solution is going to be found and believe that health is your inheritance because so many people just want that quick fix. So wave a magic wand and they don't want to go on that whole pursuit and they want to just believe in the victimhood of I'm a sick person. Yeah. And I think if you, if you also go on the pursuit, you also have to get to the point where you, uh, are going to change your lifestyle, your thinking, your speech to align up with health. Right. And that does yeah. mean also looking after yourself. Mm -hmm. you, right. you can't be thinking about health and you're polluting your body. Right. Or, right. You, know, you have to look at now. I don't think we should get in bondage, but we should be living healthily. However that you choose to do it, that I believe means not living to excess, yes. not drinking too much, not eating the wrong things. I mean, I mean, a lot of things keep us from being healthy. Yeah. And the physical things are nothing to do with disease. They're just 
physical things that we eat that actually do not make us very healthy. Yeah. And I think yeah. we, have to, we also have to see the whole package is not just a miraculous thing that we would keep getting healed because God does not want us to keep getting healed. He wants us to live in health, so we don't need to be healed. Yeah. Right. And we don't need to be taking that. toxins, yeah. neurotoxins in processed food or eating sugar that is the most addictive yeah. and toxic substance I mean, on yeah, earth. I, mean, <laughs> I was with you since I was with you in April. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided when I came back to because when you go away, people feed you a lot, you know, and it was like, I thought when we came back, both of us, my wife and I, we said, okay, actually, we, we need to get a bit more healthy. So I decided to cut certain things out of my diet. So I cut out sugar and processed foods out of my diet and just cooked healthy stuff. And I've lost 32 pounds. Hmm. Awesome. Right. Oh, wow. Congratulations. But just cutting out just yes. things that actually I don't need. And, you know, there's enough nice sweet things you can eat like fruit without having to, you know, take processed stuff. And so I think, you know, it's a package. You know, it it isn't just one thing or another. It's a package that we need to look at our thinking, our speech, actually living in health, believing that we can live in health, but also not not actually making ourselves sick by what we how we live. It's like uh, telling someone, you know, or saying that, you know, you don't want your thumb to hurt anymore while you're hitting it with a hammer. You know, you yeah. got you can't keep putting garbage in your body and treating your body like crap and uh, thinking that it's going to be healthy. But yeah. I got one more question I want to ask you from somebody um, because I, I actually want to spin off on this a little bit. But um, uh, hold on. Let me. Oh, they're gone. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was asking about the frequency bowls. And how those have been, how you've been using them, how they've been working for you. And I just want to say to the audience out there, I'm looking for somebody that I would like to be able to interview who maybe deals with these frequency bowls at a high level. I would love to be able to interview someone who um, is walking the faith and, and working with the, these crystal bowls. But anyway, I know that, Mike, you're working with them quite a bit. So, Yeah, I do. Oh, I've got three, three here. Oh, right I love it. I can give you a demonstration of some of the sounds you can produce with bowls. I want to see it. Can you put it in front of the camera so we can see it? Or is it too big? No, I can do. I mean, that's that's a, a C, which is a C, red. Okay. Oh, so okay. Which is red. So you can... Nice. And which frequency is it tuned to? That's tuned to 444, so that's okay. fine. Good. Well, Octave of five to eight because you get different. The bigger bowls are lower octaves, but they're all on the frequency. Those are four, four, four. So, I mean, I think frequency itself is a is a fascinating subject, and it, it goes beyond just sort of frequencies that you can make with instruments or with things. Into realizing everything is frequency, and you know we can affect the vibrational frequency of everything, and begin to affect reality because of that. I, I, when I we first started to you know, go into more alternative ways of healing and health, um, God started to to show us some things with oils and fragrant oils and high frequency oils and things like that. Um, and I, you know, I don't come from a background of any of that stuff at all. I mean, I come from a brethren background where that stuff would be you right. don't have anything to do with <laughs> right. anything. Right, right. Actually, even when I was in a charismatic group. 
they were totally against anything they saw as new agey right, um, right. in that way. And um, for me, frequency is, is how God holds everything together. It's the vibrational frequency of everything. Is, is We are vibrating over frequency. So frequency is a fascinating subject in itself. But the bowls, um, I was at a conference in Seattle uh, in 2017. And um, I, I speaking there, I went in and I saw this guy was selling bowls or had a lot of bowls there. And I was a bit like, what are they about? So, because I'd never, never really seen them or had anything to do with any of them. Um, but I just thought, oh, okay, this is interesting. Um, and he, they did a workshop on it. And I, I was in the workshop and they started just making the sounds and creating this vibrational frequency. And all of a sudden, it just opened something for me to see in a different realm. And I thought, wow, there's, there's something in this that I've just experienced and I didn't even believe it. So, you know, it wasn't something I had experience of, but I just found it opened something up. And then, then yeah. he gave me one. He gave me one to take home. So I brought one home, started just playing with it, you know, and found that when I played with it, I could feel mm -hmm. energy. I could feel um, things that were going through me and in me and around me and going, going really beyond my mind barrier. So sometimes we have a, a barrier in our minds that we can't get beyond, but this penetrated that. And I felt quite an interesting sense. And then I said, well, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he, he said, well, I want you to buy some. So we bought a set of seven, tuned to 444, A to G, with the different colors of the rainbow. Um, and then I started to actually say, well, what, what do you want to do with it? Um, because, okay, they're interesting and they're fun, but what, you know, it's got to be a real, got to be more than that. Mm -hmm. It looked like was, something, right? <laughs> yeah. Then it was like, he, he basically gave me insight into, it's not just the frequency itself, the frequency becomes a carrier wave yeah. of intent. So what you release in intention gets carried on the wave that can impact people and get beyond their mind barrier and mm -hmm. penetrate. Mm -hmm. into so i so i started experimenting with it and we had a let's say on a sunday morning you know i had a few bowls and i just said okay everyone close their eyes and i'm going to release an intention through this bowl and through the different sound and the, the vibrational frequency that it's releasing and i want you just to be open to it so i released several different intentions one of them was a healing intention and one guy who was there um, he he's in our therapy community, so he'd been addiction in his background, and he was numb down one side of his body through drug use. He damaged his nerves down one side of his body. Hmm. And I played the sound and I released healing, and he got instantly healed. Wow. He said he felt the sound hmm. coming around him and vibrating, and it actually vibrated in his nerves and repaired them. Wow. Uh, wow. So that was an interesting one. But also it can happen just in sense of just releasing peace or releasing joy. Yeah. And people can sense what you're releasing in the yeah. atmosphere. Seems and it, A, it saves going around having to lay hands on everybody. Because in a sense, when you lay hands on people, you're, you're imparting some sort of vibrational frequency. frequency. Yeah, yeah. Because your hand gets hot or it vibrates or it has electricity. You yep. impart that and it goes into someone. Well, the bowls can do a similar sort of thing.
Yes. And you can give people sand baths so you can put them on a therapy table, put the bowls around them, or actually on them. You can place the bowls on, on their stomach or different aspects of their body, and you can actually make the noise, different noises with it, and that goes into their body. Um, yeah. Can sometimes release trauma, can engage um, beyond. What we found is I would be playing sound. So let's say I'm playing this one. And some people would be passing by my office and they would be drawn to the sound and they'd oh, be yeah. like, wow, what's that sound? Some people would be like, oh, what's that sound? It's penetrating. It's really uncomfortable. And so I said, okay, God, why are some people drawn to it and some people repelled by it? And he said, those who are repelled by it often have a lack of that frequency within their body and their body is reacting or yeah. it's hitting up against a stronghold in their thinking and they're resisting the penetration of the sound. Hmm. So we've seen that quite a lot. That um, is so good. I, um, I was going to say we were when we were with Nancy Cohen and, and Shannon, they had been given a bowl that was designed. The frequency was designed specifically, it said, for the um, oh, now I, I lost the, the, the pineal gland. Is that right? Yeah, that yeah. will open your third eye, yeah. And when that, that one was played, I mean, you could really sense something mm -hmm. going on, and yeah. it was it was really I mean, powerful. Each of the, each of the um, bowls is, engages a particular energy gate within your body. Nancy talks about seven seals, mm -hmm. opening seven seals of energy and having limitless energy, which yeah. and engaging the Merkaba and that stuff, which is fun. Um, and, I mean, I do that just in a different way. Uh -huh. but, but it's the same thing. It opens up those energy centers. Um, but each of these generally is, goes for one energy center. So that C is, is the root. So it gets you deeper down. Um, this one is an F, which is the heart. And this one, I think, is a D, which is the sacral. So each of them engages a particular area yeah and some people feel it in that aspect of their body or feel it in that activating that energy gate and opening it yeah um, so i, I have a, a question that ties us back to an earlier part of our conversation if you're playing this frequency and there is someone who is not believing that this is real this is all hogwash are they going to get healed um Generally speaking, no, because they they are activating their faith to believe it won't work. <laughs> got it. Yeah. yeah so, but that's not to say it couldn't. The guy who got healed wasn't against it. He didn't know anything about it. He just was just like, yeah. I did. He wasn't even thinking about it. But God basically okay. using the sand and the intention just healed him. Um, right. I believe it's easier if you cooperate. You know, when, when I first engaged it, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't in any way negative. I just didn't know anything about it. So I was just open to see. And when I saw, I was like, well, there's something in this. And then, then I looked to, you know, investigate what it is. Now, sometimes it helps in meditation just to have sound. Um, you know, sometimes it just, you know, you can yeah. just sort of use it just to create an atmosphere that you begin to tune to. And then it slows yourself down a little bit. Most people find meditation difficult because their their mind is racing, their body's racing, and they can't come to a place of rest. 
I find that the bowls can help with rest. I use them in communion declarations. I use them in expanding consciousness. I, I was just in Toronto and I used them there. I did a session, a whole session on frequency. And I was talking about frequency and how frequency worked and how we are a frequency. Yeah. And I was just um, using the bowls in the activation just to help people engage. Uh, but I do believe we are frequency. You know, we yeah. we are, Absolutely. and I think the whole planet carries a frequency, Schumann's frequency, which is 7.83 hertz. And since 2014, Schumann's frequency has been spiking. And, you know, they noticed it's been spiking. It went, start with just up to 7.5, and then it's been spiking up to 24 hertz. What uh, word are you using? What frequency? Hum Schumann's Human. frequency. It's a frequency of the planet. And that plat the, our mind in alpha wave and theta wave brain waves is attuned to that Schumann's frequency. I mean, people do it with that grounding. You know, they like to take their shoes and socks off and ground themselves into the yeah. earth. Yeah. And they, yep. they're, they're connecting with that frequency. They found that that frequency has been spiking. And I believe that is sonship. I believe the more we are effectively coming into the frequency of sonship, creation is responding to Amen. us. Amen. I love it. And those spikes are actually touching other dimensions. Um, yeah. Sonship is, is actually being released so that creation can Come respond on. to its groaning and to corruption into the freedom of the glory of our sonship. I can't help That's but think awesome. that we're moving more and more back toward the hippie days where, you know, running around with uh, <laughs> barefoot and, you know, seriously, I, yeah. not that I'm, 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 I'm desiring that, that look and, and appeal, but at the same time, it seems like they were onto something that might've just been, you know, the warm up for what was coming. I mean, who knows, but it was interesting. I mean, a lot of, a lot of new agey people are sensing a huge, cosmic or consciousness awakening yeah absolutely I believe, yeah. I believe they're actually sensing our sonship wow they're getting it yeah they're getting it they're picking up these frequency spikes they're mm -hmm. beginning to feel this energy there's a shift coming and i believe that's because of people coming into their sonship yeah and the more they will come into our sonship the more creation responds to us and we begin to affect that frequency and yeah, the more yeah. The more our consciousness gets elevated, the more our frequency of our mind begins to function from rest, the more actually creation responds to us. Because most people operate on beta waves, which is so 8 to 12 hertz, and it's problem-solving, left-brained, activity, analyzation, normal, everyday life. If you close your eyes and you begin to slow down your thinking, you go to alpha wave state, which connects to the creativity within our soul, placed there by God. If you can slow down even further and get to a place of meditative rest, you can get theta waves, which I believe is, is this, our spirit and the Holy Spirit giving information which does not come from the soul. And ultimately, there are a few other ones, gamma waves, and but delta waves. Delta wave is the normal deep sleep no dream sleep and i believe if we come to a place of rest living in love joy and peace we can actually be at rest and actually function in all those four consciousness states at the same time yeah and i think that's what well, that's what is an awakening of our sonship that's good. It's coming into a state of consciousness which is beyond
Well, yeah, we're pretty much out of time as far as our one-hour session. Uh, Mike, do you have a little bit more time if we yeah. switch okay. over? Um, Berlin, you want to give the, uh, the the closing spiel, and, and then I'll go ahead sure. and wrap this up here, and then we'll continue on for a little bit longer. Go ahead. Sure. So thank you so much for uh, watching or listening to Kingdom Talks. Uh, wherever you're watching on whichever platform if you see a like share or a subscribe button go ahead and click it we so appreciate your support we appreciate the support of the members and if you would like to become a member go to kingdomtalksmedia.com and click on the membership button there kingdomtalksmedia.com and for those of you listening to the recording just know that we go live every monday and friday at five o'clock pacific and wednesday at one o'clock today is a special show because of our special guest but typically we're on uh, ecclesia arising group in the facebook area and we're also on youtube on kingdom equipping center we also go live on periscope under kingdom talks so if you want to catch us live so that you can interact and act, ask your questions go ahead and go there otherwise thank you so much for listening and we appreciate you we appreciate your members and so now we're going to wrap up the live stream and we're going to do the members only section we'll see you next time all right thank you berlin Thank you, Thank Mike. You. So appreciate. By the way, Mike has agreed. We've got him scheduled for once a month throughout the end of this year. So um, just be ready to connect with us. And we just, we just love Mike's heart. We love Mike's heart because we're able to uh, get explanations and have the conversations. And that's what we love. That's what we're looking for in this age to come. All right. All right. Blessings to all. Thank you. Bye-bye.